Uh, let me invite you now to find your Bible. Come with me to Luke chapter 12. Now, if you've not done it, invite a person to be part of this life-changing worship experience. Invite them to come in right now. This is the perfect time because this service and this message from God's living word can make a vast difference on the way the rest of your life unfolds, and it can also impact a friend. So share it. I would also invite you to go online and be sure you have this piece of paper. It's entitled, Go to School on a Fool. I don't know about you, but I've discovered that the dullest pencil is sharper than the sharpest memory. So it's good to take a few notes because when God speaks, you want to hear it, you want to catch it, you want to learn it, you want to live it. That is the goal. So let's plunge deep into the Word of God as we look at Luke chapter 12, and we'll begin in verse 13 in just a moment. Um, sometimes when I'm on an airplane, I'll be meeting a new person, and they say, what do you do? And I'll tell people, like, I'm a life coach. Yeah, I'm a pastor, but, you know, when you're at 30,000 feet and they hear that, they may want to go to the bathroom the whole plane ride. So I just say I'm a life coach or a relationship engineer. But I truly am. And as a life coach, I help people go the Jesus way. And I want to give you some coaching, some advice. And here's a pretty good piece of advice. When you climb the ladder of success, I want you to be sure that when you're climbing the ladder of success, that you don't wait till it's too late until you see what wall that ladder is leaning on. That's the famous statement made by Thomas Merton, a Christian writer, because Thomas said he leaned his ladder against the wrong wall on a number of occasions, and he wanted you to learn on his dime. So as you climb the ladder of success, I want you to double check right here, right now, today, and use the measuring stick of Luke chapter 12 to be sure that you are leaning your ladder against the right wall, and the right wall is God's way. It's when you do what Jesus says, and you follow His advice. Now, we're going to discover here in Luke chapter 12, Jesus identified a man who was a fool because he did not go God's way. He went the way of the world. Jesus put it like this in Matthew chapter 7 as He completed the Sermon on the Mount. He said, in this life, there are two ways. One is the way of the world. It is a broad path. It's downhill. There are many people on it. But the result of that path is destruction and eternal death. And then he said, there's another way. And that way is a narrow way. It's uphill. It's hard. There are fewer people on it. But the result of that path is that it leads you to life. Life abundant on earth. Life eternal in heaven. So you want to be wise, and you want to discover the Jesus way. So let's go to school on a fool. But for this message to have meaning, let me ask you a very, very important question. I want you to make this note. Would Jesus declare you faithful or foolish? Which one? Faithful or foolish? You see, friends, one day, someday, sooner probably than you think, you will stand before Jesus. He's majestically described in Revelation chapter 1 as a radiant, majestic, awesome God. And it's interesting that His eyes are described like laser beams of fire. So when you stand before the Lord Jesus, He will look at your life and He will instantly survey it. 
and he will give an accurate evaluation of how you've used the stewardship of your life and days. And he will render a verdict. And it is not appealable. You want to hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your master. You don't want to hear him say, you were a fool, depart from me. I never knew you. You never chose me. You went the wrong way, the way of the world. So friend, I want to help you. I want you to go to school on this fool and understand what a fool is. In the Bible, the word fool is Ephron. Ephron. And the definition is it's a, a fool is a sinful, selfish person who refuses to obey God's instructions. Solomon put it like this in Proverbs 1 7 The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but a fool despises wisdom and instruction. You see, a fool miscalculates. A fool makes dumb decisions and has bad outcomes. <laughs> I heard a cute story about this big Olympic weightlifter. He was long on brawn and short on brains. He was so proud, though, of his Olympic gold medal. He was so proud of that gold medal that he had it bronzed. <laughs> There are some people who seem to operate about at that level. They just don't add it upright. And they're always making foolish decisions, having bad outcomes. Well, an equally foolish person is to be met here in this story Jesus tells in Luke 12. It's about a man who fundamentally misadds the most important factors in the equation of life. And he earned the title from Jesus of a fool. Here's the setting. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus is teaching. And of course, like metal drawn to a magnet, people are coming in from everywhere. And Jesus is teaching this crowd on the dangers of dead religion. He's teaching them the truth about God's power and His love. Suddenly, Jesus is interrupted. Uh, a young man yells, and he says, Jesus, Master, we're having a property dispute in my family. My brother and I have received an inheritance. Would you help us divide it properly? It kind of reminds me of the story about the fella who uh, had died and his family had gathered to hear the will being read and the lawyer read it and he said, this is the last will and testament of Joe Jones. Joe said, my family being of sound mind, I spent all of it. Not a bad strategy. Well, evidently, dad had left some property and these young men were in a squabble over who would get what. Well, Jesus didn't enter into the squabble, but instead he took an instant MRI of their soul. And he determined their main need was really greed. Their main need was not to equitably divide the property. It was to deal with the heart issue of greed. Greed was taking over their soul like a cancer of the spirit. So what the Lord does is gives us a warning here. A warning that says, don't be possessed by your possessions. All right, let's pick it up right here. Luke chapter 12, verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter over you? He said to them, beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. For it is not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions? And he told them a parable saying, 
the land of a certain rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no place to store my crops? And he said, This is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all of my grains and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your soul is required of you, and now who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. Don't be possessed by your possessions. Let's pray about it. Father, would you enter into this sacred exchange of worship? Lord, I pray that you would get me out of the way. And right now, would you infuse these moments with the power of your Holy Spirit? I pray, Father, that you would teach us and instruct us and use this time to make an earthly and an eternal difference. And we pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's plunge into the teaching points. There are just three, but here's what I want you to see. You see, this rich guy, this rich guy, I'm going to call him Richie Rich. Jesus doesn't say he's a successful farmer. He's a laudable entrepreneur. He is the model for us to follow. No, he says this man is a fool because he made a tragic mistake. He misadded the equation of life, and he allowed his possessions to possess him. He made a mistake for three reasons. So let's pick up here. Jesus called Richie Rich a fool because, number one, he focused on gold and he forgot God. He focused on gold and he forgot God. Now, I want you to learn this protective truth, friend. You see, here's the big point. Richie Rich, and a lot of people I know, can be materially rich but spiritually poor. It's easy to be seduced by the love of money and material goods. It's easy to be possessed by your possessions. We see a man here who sold his soul for his stuff. You see, his gold evidently was his God. Look again at verse 17. And Jesus said, he began reasoning with himself. He is self-consulting and God-insulting. He's acting like he's the one who's in charge of the universe. He's large and in charge. Oh, don't fall over into that territory. That's an enormously um, horrible mistake to make because it will put you on the way of the world, which leads to destruction. It does remind me of kind of a fun story about a handsome young professional. He was succeeding in his career, and he had this desire to have a trophy red convertible sports car. So he paid a very large, handsome price to acquire that sports car, put it on mortgage, and here he was driving it for the first time. And here he had gotten out his phone. He was texting his stockbroker about the good news of his new car, and he didn't pay attention, distracted driving, and he had a wreck. He flipped over the car. He went tumbling out. He was there on the side of the road just crying over his crushed, brand-new, treasured car when the highway patrol pulled up. Highway patrol said, oh, my friend, I am so sorry. You wrecked your car because he was lamenting my car, my beautiful car. It's all destroyed. But the highway patrolman said, you've got a bigger problem. Friend, I want you to look. Your, your left arm has been severed from your body. 
He looked down at his bloody stump and he said, my Rolex. Oh, no, I have lost my Rolex. He lost his mind because this man had been possessed by his possessions. Friend, don't make this mistake like this gentleman in Richie Rich. You see, this is a picture of arrogance and ignorance. And I want to urge you to do something. Make this application. Replace arrogance with humility. Note on the margin of your worksheet, 1 Peter 5, 5. And there we learn, clothe yourselves with humility. Why? Because God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You see, if you're humble, if you're supple, if you're like clay in the potter's hands, God can work with you. But if you're arrogant, if you strut into the presence of God, if you think you're large and in charge, friend, you're making a critical and potential deadly error that will follow you into eternity. My mom had a good saying when I used to act too big for my britches. She would say, Jay boy, you better remember the peacock of today is the feather duster of tomorrow. Well, let's not only replace arrogance with humility, let's replace ignorance with wisdom. You see, the call of God is to be wise. The call of God is check yourself before you wreck yourself. Look at 1 Timothy 6.10 and reset your focus from gold to God. Here's how it works. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith. In other words, they've exchanged God for gold, and they've pierced themselves with many griefs. So, exchange ignorance for wisdom. Let's go on to number two, because here's what else we discovered. Richie Rich was a fool because he focused on earth, and he forgot eternity. He focused on earth, and he forgot eternity. He was selfish of attitude and short-sighted of perspective. Let me explain something to you. You see, Richie Rich operated under this foolish assumption that he had unlimited time. Now, friends, here's the reality. Life is fragile and life is fleeting. I've had more experiences than most with death. As a pastor, I've done over a thousand funerals. I remember when I went to Alexandria, Virginia, uh, the year was 1984 and I was a young pastor. And there was a man who was in our church, and I had just come to know him, and he was just going to go do Saturday yard work. Um, he had a hedge, and he decided that he would take care of that hedge, and it had rained, and he was going to burn it. And as he burned that hedge, he did not realize that it had been infiltrated with poison ivy, and he was deadly allergic to poison ivy, and he inhaled those fumes. Those fumes got into his lungs, and within three days, he was dead. That was not on his schedule. That was not on his calendar. My friend, I'm here to tell you that life is fragile. Life is fleeting. We have no guarantees. You don't know what's next. That's why Jesus calls you to an eternal perspective. Oh, friends, move beyond an earthly focus to an eternal focus. There was a very famous pastor in Dallas named George W. Truett. Some of you have heard that name. I had an amazing summer when I was at Baylor University. I was on staff at the First Baptist Church of Dallas, and I did a lot of studying 
about the life of George Truitt. Uh, he was an amazing man. He was pastor there for over 45 years. But one of his most famous stories that I discovered was this story about him meeting a very wealthy Texas oil man. Uh, I think maybe some of you recognize that wealthy Texas oil man. Some people call him J.R. Let's just call him R.R., Richie Rich. But uh, here, th th this is a true story, unlike uh, this pretend actor. So George Truett went out to this palatial house of this man who had a house in Dallas, but he also had a house in West Texas. And so he took Dr. Truett out to see his place. After this sumptuous meal, they went up on the veranda. And this man, he said, Dr. Truett, you know, I own everything about as far as I can see. And on the veranda, he pointed north and he said, in the north, that's where I have my oil wells. Then he pointed over west and he said, west, yep, that's where the wheat fields are. And then he looked to the south and he says, as far as I can see, you see all those Hereford cows? They're all registered cows. And then he said, uh, over there, the east, you know what I got? I got my sand and gravel operation. We're making a lot of highways and asphalt here. You know, I own it all. Dr. Truett paused, and he said, you own a lot in a lot of different directions. And then he pointed up, but what do you own in God's direction, my brother? What, what do you own in God's direction, my friend? You see, that's the most important question of all. Do not be foolish. You've got to follow the Jesus way. Don't trade your eternal soul for earthly stuff that's ephemeral and will break and bust and turn to rust. Don't make that deadly mistake. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke 9, 25. Jesus said it all. Let this sink into the depth of your soul. What does it profit for a man to gain the whole world, yet lose or forfeit his soul? What an enormous mistake. Listen to what God said through the pen of Paul as he wrote in 1 Timothy 6, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, which richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good. Be rich in good deeds and be generous and willing to share. You see, this is the call of God, to be wise, to stay focused on eternity, not just the earth. Uh, I had another summer when I was in college that I spent with Henry Blackaby. And one of the great mantras of Henry Blackaby was to find where God is at work and join him. But here was his second one. He said, live your life against the backdrop of eternity. So many people live their life against the backdrop of the immediate, of the urgent, of the earthly. No, the better ticket is live your life against the backdrop of eternity. Well, one more lesson here, the last coaching point. He focused on getting and forgot giving. He focused on getting and forgot giving. Look again here at Richie Rich. We see a man who was all about selfish acquisition. He had a bumper crop, so he wanted to build bigger, better barns. That was his goal in life, more. It was all about getting, and there's not even a hint about giving. You see, God is giving us a guiding principle in His Word. Throughout His Word, He calls His children 
to be generous, compassionate givers, doesn't he? Um, one of the key passages is Genesis chapter 12. God is creating a covenant with Abraham. And he says in Genesis 12, he says in verse 3, he says, Abraham, I will bless you so that you can be a blessing to the nations. Embed that principle in your spirit. Embed that in your thinking, in your hands, in your heart, because this is what God expects of you, for you to be blessed so you can be a blessing. You're a channel, a redistributor of blessings. That's the goal of God. Have you heard the saying, what you get makes your living, but what you give makes your life. You see, God doesn't want you to be a fool. This man was foolish because he gave nothing. When you follow the Jesus model, what do you find? For God so loved the world that he gave. Jesus explained, no greater love has any man than to give his life for his friends. I had this beautifully illustrated for me years ago. Mary Ruth and I were having a great life adventure. Uh, we'd gone to this gathering called the Baptist World Alliance. It happened to be in South America, in Buenos Aires, uh, Argentina. And there in Buenos Aires, we met a lady who was this most splendid person. She was a Jamaican, and her name was Iris. And Iris and uh, Mary Ruth and I just connected. We got to be buddies at the BWA. There were over 20,000 people there. You know, friends, there are about 100 million Baptists across the globe. Baptists are prolific. And uh, there at that meeting, oh, we prayed together. We saw how God was at work. It was fantastic. But one of the great treasures was meeting Iris. Well, we had a bonus trip to a place called Iguazu Falls. It is one of the largest waterfalls in the world. Actually, it's uh, number two, only behind Victoria Falls. And Iris, Mary Ruth and I had gone to Iguazu Falls. And let, let, me, let me tell you why I have that helicopter here in this picture, because Mary Ruth and I saw that they had helicopter rides. The best way to see it, we had read, was to see it by air. And I, I was all ready to go until I found out it cost $50. I'm thinking, $50? Man, a hundred for both of us, that's a little too much, darling. Let's just pretend like we did it. That's what I said. And Iris overheard us, and she said, hey, Jay, I've already bought y'all tickets. So that precious lady from Jamaica, 87 years old, she said, let's go together. And we got on that helicopter, and we had the most splendid view of that magnificent creation out of the hand and heart of God, Iguazu Falls. Well, she spent $50 for me to go on a ride, and I spent $5 for her to have lunch. <laughs> so it was a good deal. And I said, Iris, tell me about your, your life story. She told how she was gloriously saved and how God changed her life. She was from a very wealthy family in Jamaica. And here's what she said. When God really got a hold of my heart, he got a hold of my pocketbook and my bank account. And he said, for all these years, here's how I've lived. My motto is to give as much as I can to as many as I can, for as long as I can. Iris was a Christ-like giver, and that's the call of the Lord Jesus. Look at Mark 10, 45. What did Jesus say about himself? Jesus said, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Another beautiful biblical example to learn from is the life of Barnabas. Barnabas, we learn about the great encourager, the son of encouragement, but he didn't just encourage with his words, he encouraged with his wallet. Look at this scripture, Barnabas sold a field, Acts chapter 4, and that he owned, and he brought the money, and he put it at the apostles' feet to fuel the work of the early church. 
Friends, this is the call of God. Don't be a fool, be cool, and use your resources to expand the kingdom of God. Well, let's sum it all up. Uh, When you climb the ladder of success, be sure that it's leaning against God's wall, and you're going the Jesus way. And here's how I would add it up. In a world of takers, become a Christ-like giver. That's the call of God. Make this your simple and ultimate goal. And I guarantee you, when you step into God's presence, you will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I believe that's what Jim Elliott heard. He's one of my favorite missionaries. You know his story. Jim Elliott was born in Oregon in 1927. He came early to Christ. He came hard, strong, and fast. He wanted his life to count. He went to Wheaton, and there he met Elizabeth. They felt the call to go to Ecuador and to minister to an unreached people group, the Aka Indians. They got there. They started sharing the gospel. But on January the 8th of 1956, he was speared to death by the Indians. Elizabeth stayed among those Indians and saw virtually all of them come to Christ. But his martyr's blood not only opened the door to his witness, but opened the door for thousands of others to go. Listen to what he inscribed in his diary. I read it when I was in college, and it became one of the rudders for my life. Jim Elliott said it like this. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. My friend, here's what you ought to do. Give your life to Jesus. You will not regret it. Let me be your ultimate coach right now. You see, it all starts when you say, I'm going to give my life to you. And here's how you do it. It's this simple. You turn from your sin and your selfishness, and you say, Lord Jesus, I'm going to give myself to you. Maybe you've done that in the past, and yet you've wandered away, and you've been seduced by the things of the world. Now you can make a new declaration that I'd rather have Jesus, and I'm going to help you. I'm going to be your guide. Right now, why don't you do this? Do the most important thing anybody can do. Open your heart and your spirit right now and pray with me this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner, and I'm lost without you. Right now, Lord Jesus, I give myself to you. Thank you for dying on that cross for me. Forgive my sin. Make me your child. I promise to follow you all the way. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. My friend, if you prayed that prayer right now, do something about it. I want you to text the number that you see. I want you to phone in right now. Call in. We've got people who want to talk to you, encourage you. They they want to help you follow Jesus. They want to help you grow in the Lord. So respond right now. You're probably thinking, I'll do it later. No, today is the day of salvation. You have no guarantees for tomorrow. Life is fragile. Life is fleeting. Now is the time. So I urge you with every fiber of my being to respond. You call that number and say, I am following Jesus. Or just text in yes in your name. If you'll give us some contact information, we'll be back in touch with you and help you grow and follow Jesus.